What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Pakulski, bringing you the greatest information on the planet on how you can optimize your body, your mind, and your life. And I truly love what I do. I'm truly so blessed to be able to travel the world and meet incredible human beings. And today's guest, as always, is no exception. Andy Mant joins me today to tell us everything we need to know about blue light, about light spectrums and how it's affecting our biology much, much more than we realize. We get into the different spectrums from blues and greens, how those are impacting our biology and our sleep cycles, our circadian rhythms. We talk a little bit about red lights and other light spectrums that perhaps we're not even aware of that are massively influencing our biology. And this is a conversation that's at a level that's definitely easy to understand and take away some really, really valuable, applicable items and still deep enough so that you can start to understand what's actually happening. Andy does a really good job of simplifying something that's complex and really, really enjoyable. So uh, hopefully you guys uh, take awareness. And I know this isn't always the sexiest topic, but I highly suggest if optimization is your goal, you start taking notes and paying attention to light because this is the one thing that most people tend to blow off and not pay attention to and don't really think about, don't really care about. But I promise you, the light around you and the environment is a massive, massive signal to your mind, to your body, to your sleep. It's affecting your memory. It's affecting your hormones. It's affecting your energy production and so many more things. So I highly suggest you listen up and listen to my amazing conversation with Andy Ment. This podcast is brought to you by the Chili Pad. You guys know that Ashley and I have been experimenting with both the Chili Pad and the newest model called the Uller. And I'm a huge fan of the Uller. And anyone who's a large human being or tends to get warm when they sleep is going to love this. And with Christmas coming up, I tell you, this might be the greatest gift anyone's ever had as far as improving deep, deep sleep. I've noticed definitive quantifiable shifts in my deep sleep measured by my aura ring. And Chili Pad, after bringing Tara onto the podcast, has decided to hook you guys up with a discount of 15% off. And that's good for either the Chili Pad or the Uller. So the difference between the Chili Pad and the Uller, giving you guys the straight goods, was the Chili Pad does a great job of cooling your bed. It warms your bed also. You can set it to the particular temperature you want to set it to and leave it there all night. The thing that I didn't love about it was the white noise. So they choose to have the white noise. It's a low-level hum. If you like that, you're going to love it. For me, I really wanted it to be silent. So I stepped it up to the Uller, which is a little bit up in price bump. But the ability to turn the sound down, the ability to actually use the app and manipulate the temperature. So I can get into bed and my bed can be 55 degrees and I can wake up and it can be 100 degrees. So I can set it to be warm when I get in if I want, cool, really, really cool during the middle of the night when it's supposed to be cool, and then progressively warm me up as I want to wake up. And the shift in body temperature should be one of the ways that you actually wake in the morning. So huge fan of the Uller, love it. It's a really small unit, super easy to install and extremely effective for helping you sleep cool and sleep deep. So if you guys want to get hooked up by ChiliPad, you can use the link chilitechnology.com slash muscle intelligence. 
and I know you guys are going to absolutely love it. So that's why we're going to get behind it and offer you guys a 15% discount on the chili pad or the Uller. And this code will not last long. You can use the code muscle sleep or go directly to our code or go directly to our link, which is chili technology slash muscle intelligence. Hope you guys enjoy the show with Andy Mint. Hey everybody, welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. We're going to talk blue light today, what it is, why you should care, and how to protect yourself from all the insidious negative effects. Mr. Andy Mant, welcome. Hey Ben, hey guys, thanks for listening, and, and Ben, thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, man, super grateful for you being here, and a really exciting topic and, and very interesting topic. I've been certainly a student of blue light at some level, maybe a entry level for the last two to three years, acknowledging the negative effects, but there's so much misinformation that goes on out there, or maybe it's just so ambiguous that people are kind of not sure what to do. They're not sure if they should do anything. They're not sure if it's good, if it's bad, when you need it and when you don't. So I invited you on to kind of get into the ins and outs of uh, what blue lights are uh, and why we need them and why we don't need them or when we need them and when we don't. Uh, so I'd just kind of like to, to have you start off by telling us a little bit about um, you know this concept of blue light and maybe the spectrums and, and where it's positive and where it's negative. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really good starting point. So I think the first basic bit of information on light is there's natural light and there is artificial light. Okay, so natural light comes from the sun and it's balanced in all the colors of the spectrum. So you've got the blues, the greens, the yellows, the reds, the oranges, etc. So think, think of a rainbow, that's the colors that are given out by sun. And then on the flip side, you have artificial light, which is the light that comes from, say, your house on office lights, your LED backlit digital devices, such as your smartphone, your iPad or your laptop, maybe a TV, maybe a fridge light, car headlights, etc. And that is predominantly made up of blue and green light and not a lot of the other colors of the spectrum. So your reds and oranges and yellows, etc. Now, Blue light from the sun is really beneficial because it makes you feel alert. It raises cortisol during the day, which makes you, you know, into that sort of day movement creature that we are. And it's balanced very much in the red range as well, which is really healthy for us on the red side. So, so blue light makes you feel alert during the day. Now, the issue that you've got with blue light in digital devices and your house lights is that there's too much of it in there. It's causing damage to your eyes. It's causing digital eye strain, macular degeneration, because blue light actually damages your eyes. And the same is true from the blue light in the sun. However, the sun has red light in it, which is a healing form of light, whereas blue light from artificial devices does not have that red light in. So during the day, some blue light is fine, but there's too much of it in artificial sources with not enough red. Now, after dark, our light needs change. So after the sun sets, our bodies actually need physiological darkness, which is the absence of blue and green light in the 400 to 550 nanometer range to lower cortisol enough to start producing something called melatonin, which is a powerful antioxidant and is also a part of one of the sleep hormones, which helps us get good REM and, and deep restorative sleep. Now, the issue we have after sunset is that we're switching on the TV, we're switching on the house light, we're on our smartphones, and that's sending a message to our brain to keep cortisol levels high 
not to secrete melatonin as much as we should do and basically tell our central body clocks that it's daytime. So this messes up something that we've developed cross evolution called a circadian rhythm. And when we basically disentrain our circadian rhythm by inappropriate light hygiene practices, like maybe exposing yourself to blue light after dark, not getting enough sunlight or using your digital devices too much during the day, you're actually going to cause that circadian disruption, which is going to later lead to mitochondrial diseases and metabolic diseases. So that's probably it in a nutshell. Very, very cool, man. That, that makes a lot of sense. I and mean, I talk about this a lot in the podcast, this, this maybe desire to live ancestrally, right? As we've evolved over hundreds of thousands of years to be exposed to the sun as it rises and sets and allowing that to set our circadian biology. And I'm pretty neurotic about this stuff with myself and with my kids. Like if the sun's going down, so are the lights in the house. Like occasionally if we have people over, we kind of overlook it. But if it's just a normal school night, certainly, you know, the lights are starting to come down around 6 or 7 p.m. And I have dimmers on everything. And I have really, really yellow, like very low Calvin lights, like 2200 Calvin that I can brighten and dim. So I'm very aware of this circadian implication of blue light. But I'd love for you to kind of tell us about one thing you mentioned there that I've just heard recently come onto the radar. I'm not sure if you're all that experienced with green light. So you mentioned green light in that blue spectrum. I'd love to talk about that a little bit. Is there anything you could tell us about green light and the positive or negative effects of green? Yeah, absolutely. So during the day, green light actually isn't too much of a problem. It's actually quite inert in terms of making changes to our physiology and, and our hormone production and secretion. It becomes a problem after sunset. So if you think of it, you mentioned just a moment ago about sort of the ancestral side of things and and sort of following the sun. When you look at it from an ancestral point of view, after the sun set in the evening, our ancestors would have been exposed to either total darkness or oranges and red lights from their campfires. There was no blue and no green light present. So we've evolved our circadian clock mechanisms by having messages sent to our brain after sunset that didn't include blue and green light. And then in the last hundred years, we're then putting blue and green light back into our lives after the sunset, which is then tricking our clock system into thinking it's the daytime. So green works in the same way as blue after sunset. I mean, blue, for instance, runs from 400 to 495 nanometers and green runs from 495 to 570 nanometers on the spectrum and green up into 550 nanometers has exactly the same effect on our circadian rhythms after sunset than blue light does. So what it does is, you know, we've seen this in multiple peer-reviewed academic studies that if light in that lower green spectrum as well as the blue spectrum is shone onto a subject after dark, whether it be on their skin or through their eyes, that's going to have the same melatonin suppressing effects than, you know, standard blue light. But until the issue you've got is a lot of blue light education out there and a lot of blue light companies are basically saying, oh, it's only blue light. This is the main issue because they haven't actually read the peer review studies that are out there. But green light is no different to blue light after dark. There's nothing special about it. It's just in that range that evolutionary speaking, we haven't been exposed to after sunset and blue and green light during the, I guess, the sunrise all the way through to almost sunset time of the day is the the colors of light actually send messages to our brain to 
you know, firstly signal that it is daytime and we need to be alert, but also release specific hormones and neurotransmitters such as serotonin, which is later used to mix with tryptophan in the gut to make your melatonin after dark. And that forms in the presence of blue and green light in, in the morning. It also releases and triggers something called dopamine, which is obviously that sort of feel good reward system that's found in the brain. And also we mentioned a little bit earlier as well that cortisol is increased with blue and green exposure, which is fantastic during the day because that's when we want cortisol levels to be to be highest, like in the morning and, and tapering off during the day until it's dark. But then we expose ourselves to those same colors of light from artificial sources after dark. We're, we're getting chronic release of cortisol because our body is continually thinking it's daytime. So it doesn't matter if it's in that blue spectrum or in that lower green spectrum after dark, it's still sending the same messages to our brain, which is it's daytime, let's keep cortisol level highs, let's not produce lots of optimal melatonin for us to get good restorative REM and deep sleep to keep us in that daytime state. So that's probably a brief explanation of, of how green light works in the system. Yeah, it's fantastic. So by the sounds of it, it's just this necessary implication of being exposed to a full spectrum during the day and then obviously reducing the blue and green spectrum as the sun goes away. Does that sound about right? That's correct. Yeah. I think just to sort of elaborate on that point as well, I think it would be amiss of me not to say that after sunset, if you're not blocking 100% in the range that I mentioned, which is 400 to 550 nanometers, which is all the blue and majority of the green spectrum, you're not going to be in an optimal state hormonally or for a good quality sleep. It doesn't matter if you block 99% or 0% in that range. The message is still the same to the central master clock. It's still a fraction of that light comes in and it's going to trigger that like, oh, it's daytime. The light is so powerful that it doesn't matter if you're eyes are exposed to it for a few milliseconds or a few hours, it's still the same message that's that's going to come through to the brain. Now, another thing you mentioned as well, Ben, was that, you know, it's, it's good to get that full spectrum of color during the day, which is absolutely true, but you can't match the sun and its spectrum of colors in any artificial light source. And the reason being is you could create a balanced Say, a say you put something called iris or flux on your computer screen, which can balance the color spectrum to not emit all blue light. It will be, you know, very balanced. It have blue, greens, oranges, reds, yellows, etc. But what you're not getting from that computer screen is infrared and UV light. Now, you need the infrared light to help produce melanin during the morning. You need other specific frequencies of this invisible near-infrared light to help with recovery of any kind of metabolic damage or any other kind of issues caused by ultraviolet light during the day. Now, ultraviolet light is also essential during the day in specific doses because you need that to synthesize vitamin D in the skin, which is another valuable component of a healthy lifestyle and, and a, a big sort of measure of vitamin D levels of very low, then, you know, you're going to be more susceptible to specific diseases. If it's very high, you're going to be, you know, probably have a very strong and healthy immune system. So sunlight is very valuable, not just because of the visible spectrum, but because of the invisible spectrum as well. And, and what's very interesting about sunlight is that it changes throughout the day. So in the mornings, you get not a very high amount of UV, but you get a high amount of red light and a high amount of invisible infrared light. And as the day goes on, UV gets higher, which is when we can then synthesize 
vitamin D. And then as the day draws to a close, you get the red light from sort of the post sunset and the infrared, which is that restorative, invisible part of the spectrum as well, which is repairing any damage that may well have been caused by overexposure to UV, for instance, during the day. So a lot of people just think that, you know, during the day, fine, if I balance the colors and have flux on my computer, then and, and night shift mode on my iPhone, I'm going to be cool. But it comes down to a lot more than that. And the fact of the matter is during the day, any artificial light is not going to be good for you. You can make it better, but nothing is ever going to match what the sun can give you. Great. That's important. I mean, I think it's very, very valuable for people to know that we have this huge biohacking community that exists that's just, you know, I think going down this path of, well, I'm just going to replicate what the sun does rather than just going outside. I know it's not always possible because most of the biohacking seems to be coming out of Finland. And obviously Finland has parts of the year where there's almost no sunshine, if at all. So they need to be able to hack that, which is great. But you know, it's important to the listener know that you can't replicate what the sun does because it's you know, effectively impossible, or, or at least as far as we know right now, it's impossible. Great information, Andy. Thank you. So as far as looking at ways that we can, you know, short of getting outside and spending your days outside, which I do every single day, I make sure I'm outside for at least an hour, you know, shirt off, getting some sunshine by the pool or in the park or whatever, playing with the kids. You know, if I can't do that, let's say I don't live in a place that has sunshine all the time or it's rainy or, you know, in the UK, what are my best bets for shifting away from the negative implications of indoor artificial blue light? Yeah, absolutely. Another fantastic question. And, you know, it, it comes up a lot actually in our line of work. And, and a lot of people ask the question of like, what can I do if it's raining outside? Or what if it's cloudy? You know, should I still go out and watch the sunrise and the, have the sunset and be outside? And the answer is yes. And, you know, you're always going to get low UV days, you're going to get high UV days. But ultimately, during the day, regardless to whether there's cloud cover or it's raining, you are still going to get the benefits of, of specific light that, that's coming out of the sun, both visible and invisible. For instance, vitamin D can actually be stored in our system. So, you know, a lot of the, the time we get outside in the summer and, you know, get those sunglasses off, don't wear sunscreen, you know, with, with context applied, if, if you've got you know, correct circadian health and, and practices, then and that won't be necessary. But if you're getting up at midday and going straight out in the sun with no exposure to morning sun, you're probably going to have a problem. But that's probably for a different conversation. But, you know, you're going to build up the vitamin D as much as you can in, in the summer months. If you're still low on vitamin D, just eat fish in the winter. That typically would work from an ancestral perspective because there wouldn't be any or not much carbohydrate, I guess, available during winter months. It would be mainly fish and, and animals, which you can get um, some D from. And in terms of the actual visible light, you would still get that from being outside. So I would always recommend people be outside watching that sunrise, regardless of the weather outside. And it can range from a few minutes, Ben, all the way up to like spending all day out there. Just getting outside around about sunrise, ideally at sunrise, but if it's an hour or two after, that's not going to be too much of an issue so that you can take what light is available into your eyes at that time of the day and make sure it's the first light you see because the first light that your eyes will see upon waking is what will entrain your circadian clock. So for instance, if you go outside in the morning and entrain your clock, that's going to be running correctly. Hormones will be secreted at the correct time of the day. If you take other good practices, that is as well. And also ensure that when you're inside, there's going to be, you know, during winter months, which is what the UK and Northern Hemisphere are moving into, you're going to be exposed to 
even more blue light because it is darker and gray outside. And during the day, you're going to be switching on the artificial lights. And it's a case of making sure that you balance out that blue. So I, I say to a lot of people, put a salt lamp next to your computer, make sure you've got the Flux and Iris software installed on it, which will reduce down the blue light, get night shift mode on your smartphone, but also getting outside for periods of that day as well. Like, you know, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, people these days in offices, for instance, go out for smoke breaks, like just say you're going out for a breath of fresh air for a couple of minutes and take in that light because the light changes at different periods of the day and it will keep sending messages through your eyes and to your central clock that it's specific times of the day and to release specific hormones at those given times. And then after dark, you want to be wearing blue light blocking glasses as well that at least block in that 400 to 550 nanometer range to be optimal. You can go one step further like myself. I, I've taken out um, the majority of my LED light bulbs um, in my house that give out a lot of blue and green light. And I've replaced them with bulbs that actually only give out red light after dark. So it doesn't affect my central clock system and also my skin's biological clock system as well. Just ensure other good practices like, you know, power down your devices a couple of hours before bed as well. You know, if you put night shift mode on your smartphone, there's still blue light that's that's given out from that. So not all of it's eradicated. Also make sure that you're keeping your blue light blocking glasses on until you go to bed. Don't just take them off because like we said, earlier that you know even a, a fraction of light hitting your eyes from blue light is going to be an issue and, and tell your clock that you know it's, it's daytime so there are probably a few easy hacks to do in the winter months it is a little bit harder in the winter i completely get that i'm from the uk myself and i'm fortunate enough that i'm in australia with 300 days of sunshine a year but even in the uk my friends and, and people within my community swear by still getting up and outside even when the weather is a little ropey yeah, absolutely. Now, how about people that work indoor all day? Is it just as simple as, like you say, putting a salt lamp beside your computer? Or should they be considering, you know, covering up their body? Because we know that, obviously, I think you briefly mentioned there that your mitochondria are also sensing light through your skin, which can affect your circadian rhythms. It's not just through your eyes. But so any recommendations for people who, you know, like right now I'm sitting in my office and it's it's a completely artificial environment. So I built this place five years ago. It wasn't really on my radar yet. How potentially negative, all this blue stuff was and all this flickering. And so I'm basically I'm surrounded right now by a bunch of artificial lights. So people who have this reality of having to live like this, what do you suggest? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the salt lamp is a good hack because it's giving out something that isn't blue. It's giving out restorative sort of oranges and, and reds and sort of pinky light in there as well. I mean, you mentioned the skin and, and the skin has sort of two facets to it. It has its own independent clock system, which is actually not tied to the master clock. A lot of people in the biohacking space talk about something called melanopsin, which is a photoreceptor that's found in the skin that senses blue light at 480 nanometers. And that can sort of pick up blue light and affect the mitochondria in, in that region. But there was a study about six weeks ago that came out that said the clock system located in the skin is actually independent of the master clock system. So yes, it can have some influence on circadian rhythms, but what I would be more concerned about with skin is the fact that if you disrupt its own circadian rhythm and clock system, you're going to have issues like, you know, accelerated aging, increased inflammation in, in the skin, which obviously it's your biggest organ. So you want to protect it. 
and when the skin is exposed to blue lights, so whether it be, I'm sort of going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but if it's exposed to blue light after dark as well, it's never going into a state of recovery. So you can't actually recover from any inflammation that's being caused in the skin. But during the day, I would suggest covering up if you can. It'd be easy at the moment in the Northern Hemisphere because it's getting colder. Get the long sleeves on, get the trousers on, and then you're going to stop any kind of short wavelength blue light damaging that clock system and, and also affecting the mitochondria through the melanopsin pathways. The biggest issue that people have with the skin is in the thyroid area. And the thyroid is extremely sensitive to light because it's only a few millimeters under the skin. And if you think about it, when you're working in an office or working at your laptop or, or computer, you're exposing your thyroid to blue light very close proximity. And we've actually seen a massive rise in the last sort of 10 years in hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's type diseases, specifically in women, although men do have these types of issues as well. So I always suggest to women at least, and I'll explain why not to men in a bit, but to women to wear a scarf around their neck when they're in just sort of a a silk scarf when they're involved in office work or around blue light during the day to protect the thyroid because you know the thyroid and the pituitary gland area is like the powerhouse of hormone release and you really want to protect that and I think it's mainly an issue in, in women because their necks are typically exposed in the office environment, whereas men in that corporate environment where the majority of people work typically have a shirt on or a tie and that, or, or they maybe have a beard that covers the thyroid type area. So, you know, they seem to not have too much of an issue with it. So if there's any women listening to this, which I'm sure there are then, or just some guys that are listening to this and, and you know, their, their wives and girlfriends and partners and mums and sisters, et cetera, are, are office workers, you might want to pass on that, you know, that thyroid area is so sensitive to blue light, it needs to be seriously looked at and, and a scarf around that area is really going to help as well. Really interesting. I'd never heard that before. So I'll definitely look into that. If you have any data on that, I'd love to see any research you've, you've come across and we'll definitely show notes. So one final thing I want to ask is, you know, one thing that I run into often is people are very interested in buying blue light blocking glasses. But, you know, you have $5 blue light blockers on Amazon, and then you have $200 blue light blockers, which are, you know, maybe fancy lenses or fancy frames. Can you just kind of describe what we should be looking for or how we can differentiate between high quality and low quality blue light blocking glasses? Yeah, absolutely. The first port of call in anyone's quest to get a good pair of blue light glasses, whether it be blue light filtering for during the day or blue and green light blocking for after dark, is reach out to the company and ask for the lens test results because that will weed out 99% of, of the rubbish that's out there because they won't have the lens test reports. They'll have a basic sort of clear lens for during the day and maybe sort of a yellowy ambery color for after dark but they won't have any data on you know what specific light frequencies are going to be blocked so i'll start with sort of after dark so if you want a pair to help you sleep and you want to wear them after sunset which is integral for anyone that's exposed to any kind of artificial light after dark going with red like dark red at that time yeah absolutely so your lenses need to be that sort of dark amber red color if you're switching on your you know like we said your house lights and devices after dark that's going to give out blue and green light which is your issue area and you need to ensure that when you look at these lens test results that they are blocking 100 percent between 400 and 550 nanometers and it's very easy to see from a lens test report because 
basically it will have all the nanometers on the bottom of the graph and you'll see 550 and you don't want to see any kind of rise in color on that area and you want to see it rise after 550 steadily in that sort of orange yellow and, and red ranges a lot of the glasses out there the cheapy ones you pick off amazon will not even block all blue light let alone green we've been fortunate enough to actually test them we have spectrometers to test these things in the lab yeah ultimately a pale amber or yellow lens or a clear lens is not going to cut it it's basic physics when you and, and color sort of physics when you actually look at a color wheel like how can clear block blue and green light it can't you need that sort of deep amber red to actually stop 100% of the blue and, and the majority of the green light so that's what's to look out for for after sunset use so just going to one thing you said was any amount of blue light at that time is bad so wearing a yellow pair at night then is kind of a waste of time they have to be that dark red 100% yeah they have to be cuz cuz yellow will maximum or only block half the blue spectrum which is great for during the day if you have extra sensitivity to blue light. You want to take out that lower end because that's what triggers cortisol release the, the most. So you may have things like anxiety, stress, depression, or, or seasonal affective disorder where you need that slightly more powerful lens during the day. But after dark, yeah, wouldn't cut it. Let's say, is there data on blue light during the day actually causing cortisol release through the eyes? Or is, it, is there data on that? I'd love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can easily dig out that. We've got it here. We've written articles on it and seen how the, I guess, exposure to, to artificial blue light during the day and after dark can actually alter the secretion of cortisol. It's not a huge light jump, so it doesn't like stay at the same level as you know the cortisol awakening response in the morning throughout the day but those that are exposed to blue light and those that are taking sort of steps against it there is a difference and there are studies out there that show this so yeah we can we can definitely send them and link them to the show awesome and as far as the clear blue light blockers which seems to be trending a lot now those are just blocking less and less is that the idea absolutely so the way clear lenses work and the way to test which are good and bad a clear lens should focus on the entire blue spectrum but it shouldn't block it it should just filter it all down so we mentioned briefly earlier that the issue with artificial light during the day is that there's too much of the blue but i also said that you need some blue light during the day because you want to keep your hormones well balanced during the day to keep you alert and awake but you just don't need as much as that blue light. So you want to reduce it down by about sort of 20 or 30% in line with the rest of the spectrum that will be found at sort of lower levels within artificial light. Now, the issue you've got with a lot of clear lenses out there is they focus on violet light, which is found at 380 to about sort of the, into the lower blue up to about 420 nanometers. And when you actually test with a spectrometer, the frequencies of light and LED and fluorescent lights, the majority of the light in the damaging blue range for during the day actually starts to rise around about 440 nanometers. There's a very minimal amount of the blue in the violet and below 440 nanometer range. So a lot of these clear glasses are focusing on blue light that's really not in LED backlit digital devices. So, you know, they're just these sort of off the shelf blue light sort of clear lenses that, again, these companies don't know the science behind it. And they're just sort of selling because there's a, a craze and a trend on at the moment to wear these clear lens blue light glasses. And thank you so much, Andy. Incredible information. I know our audience is going to absolutely love it. If people want to find more information from you and your company, where can they track you down? Yeah, absolutely. So the best port of call if people want to learn a bit more about, I guess, the evidence-based side of light and, I guess, blue light management is the website, which is blueblocks.com, which is B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. We also have a lot of educational content where we 
post the most up-to-date studies that are coming out, the peer-reviewed studies on anything sort of light and health-related, which is in our Facebook group, which is called Light and Health. But also our Facebook page, our Blue Blocks Facebook and Instagram, we also put a lot of education on there where, you know, our stories, we've put a lot of questions in that I'll personally go on and then answer in videos. You know, there's some great questions on there about the different types of lenses, about peripheral light seeping in through the sides of glasses and whether that can affect our circadian rhythms. And, and we go on and we answer those at least a few times a week. So people should just jump on there as well. But they're probably the main places to find us. And if anyone has specific questions on there, personal light management situations and, and want advice, then just drop us a note through the website, um, blueblocks.com and jump on the contact page, fill it out. And, and one of us will get back to you with like, well, you know, thanks for telling us about your light environment. And these are the hacks that you can put into place to actually fix your environment and, you know, be optimal for your own personal goals. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Andy. Have a great day. And we appreciate you being here. Thanks, Ben. Much appreciated. All right, ladies and gents, that's a wrap. I know you enjoyed that download of light technology and how light is affecting our biology. Some super really valuable information there. I hope you enjoyed it. And just one more reminder, shout out to our sponsor, Chili Pad. If you guys want to get cool and deep sleep, I highly suggest you head over to chilitechnology.com slash muscle intelligence and jump on our 15% discount. I promise you this will not be there for long. These guys are not going to keep this code up. This is not a false claim. They're only giving us a very limited time. So jump on it and you're going to save up to 225 bucks off of the Uller if you use the code muscle sleep. So some of the things you can expect, you can cool your bed down to 55 degrees Fahrenheit and get it as warm or hot as 115 degrees. Wintertime coming up, it's nice to get into a nice warm bed, cool it down in the middle of the night, let the heat warm you up. There's been a lot of data showing that that cold temperature is really essential for regeneration while you sleep. It's also good for your metabolism because your body's gonna get cold. It's really, really useful I mean, ultimately, sleep matters. So let's step up and take advantage. Muscle sleep is your code with ChiliPad. I hope you guys have an amazing day. And as always, I'm so grateful for you tuning into this podcast and hopefully we provided tremendous amounts of value. Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.